0: back to Ghent for week six is it or five? No, we're on week five. Week five, bitch. We're on week five.
1: How are you doing, Manny? I'm doing alright. I'm doing alright. Been playing uh a bit of Apex 2 because of the new season, but there's actually been some really cool news coming out of the uh GDC and so been listening to that and sort of see- seeing what people are saying about it in the industry and like of course with just like my friends. And so I'm really looking forward to talking about some of the stuff that's been happening this week.
0: Same here. I mean, I've had basically a midlife crisis at the age of 23 this week. So (laughs) I haven't played many games, but I just bought Sekiro this morning. So I will be playing that and we'll talk about Sekiro a lot probably next week. Not so much this week because all I did was get to a plot point that was advertised on YouTube. (laughs) So (laughs) nothing too special yet.
1: Yeah, it seems like you got through the tutorial phase.
0: The first thing on our radar, and before I talk about it, I just want to ask you,
1: are you a fan of Nintendo? I, I'm i really against being a fan of any company that, these days. I respect Nintendo as being a company that is socially conscious and actually factors in in those sort of things when they make their business decisions.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, noticing
1: a lot of companies that don't do it.
0: Last week, we were talking about, um, was it MTX prices? And the social perspective of having microtransactions in mobile games? They didn't yep. want too many. I think it's amazing, compared to other companies. Um, but anyway, turns out, Nintendo employees in Japan earn an average salary of 80 grand US dollars, and work less than 8 hour days.
1: Definitely a really cool piece of news i dislike that they use the average salary i don't mind if you talk about like the average work hours that uh the people that nintendo put in but an average salary is skewed by like a ceo making 142 times what the entry level is
0: yeah and it's so a like a median
1: yeah a median salary is good like if you're halfway up the totem pole how much money are you making right? that to me is a better uh a better thing. You don't need to be the c e o you don't need to be the c f o if you're just head of uh head of one development project and you're mid level management what's your income like? That's what I'd love to have seen from this
0: yeah, I mean it's probably less why they've chosen to broadcast the average yeah, that would be my guess anyway um I mean, still, it's nice. Probably nice.
1: It is, it is nice, but I don't want to. I I don't want to be saying, "Oh yeah, sunshine and lollipops and stuff," and not be critical, even about a company that, for the last couple of weeks, we've been sp- singing the praises of. I do. I do like it. I would want to have seen um, average earnings of other comparable companies in Japan. Um, And if they wanted to contrast that against US uh, companies in the game industry, that would have also been nice. By itself, it looks nice. Definitely. There are jobs. I I would be very happy to be taking home upwards of 80 grand a year.
0: Oh, yeah. Same here. You're laughing. I think, like, if I was to work full time at where I'm working now, I think I'd earn, like, 30 grand New Zealand dollars a year. Just about yeah, so like opening boxes uh, basically <laughs>
1: <laughs> i I'm not sure uh, how that converts to USD, and the Canadian dollar keeps going up and down so i I'm, I'm happy to be uh, paid in part uh, in US dollars um, and it it helps that there are companies that again, have a sort of social responsibility with the stuff. I think that the average work time being less than eight hours is the big thing for me. I don't want to understate that because in this industry, it is almost a given that there are crunch times and people putting in ridiculous amount of hours. On our very first episode, we talked about the Blizzard layoffs and a big part of that was that their company that Has been accused of exploiting the fanaticism and dedication um, of its fan base. And like people go there being like dream jobs and they put in extra hours and then
0: to be shunned at the end of it.
1: Yeah. Or even if they are kept on, but they do these passion projects that they don't really see a proper return on. Like that is... Something that happens a lot in the industry. I don't want to put it all at the feet of Blizzard. I don't want to put it all at the feet of Activision Blizzard. Uh, it happens a lot in the industry. It's almost a cultural norm. And so seeing that less there is a company where you're putting in less than the uh, eight-hour grind, and you are seeing um, people getting paid on average of a very healthy average salary, That that's a beautiful... Uh, thing to see
0: it's very idyllic i think i mean big thing for me as well as the average length of employment there is 13 and a half years which is super long
1: yes definitely especially in again the industry where it is that after you're done on a project you may be found to be redundant and uh, you may need to shift to a different uh, different company you are seeing that they will hire and fire based on whatever pro- uh, current projects they're working on. And we have seen companies that go gangbusters, open up studios around the world as they're doing more and more projects, and then quickly close up shop as soon as it slows down. So, 13 to 15 years, tenure at a company is is very, very good. Very long. I think for like any job,
0: really. Um, like, it's it's very rare to see people stick around for that long, I think, right now in the current workforce, yeah. unless you're doing something you like studied for.
1: And even then, you jump between companies as opportunities arise. Yeah. So the average being that shows that it's a company where people can call it home in a way that they can build their lives knowing that this is a stable income that isn't going to shift next month. And yeah, they can they can like actually put down roots knowing that on average they're gonna be there for the long haul.
0: And that's lovely having job security. Like I, I've been talking to Manny off air about this, but I'm looking at a government job in the future and the main reason for that is job security. Very nice knowing that your job will stick around and you have you know, support. Um, Definitely. I mean, I'm kind of feeling that like in my current job at Kmart, anyway. Um, just because they need, they're so desperate for people because <laughs> no one wants to do the job, uh, which is kind of nice.
1: Well, if I have to talk, uh, if I could talk a little bit about like my uh life, I currently do a lot of contract work, so it's not anything where I'm expecting a paycheck into next year, even I'm looking, always looking for the next uh, hunt, but I've stayed with companies, uh, one for almost a dozen years, one for, uh, six years. So I've, I've done like a good amount of time with some companies. Um, and now I'm on the flip side of it. And yeah, that kind of, uh, stability of the paycheck is definitely less stressful. If you're if you are looking for just like a nice job security,
0: yeah. I mean, overall, this news is just nice. I agree with you that the average isn't the best way of um publicizing your earnings because not everyone is a CEO. Yeah, but I think it's a good sign regardless. Definitely, I definitely think it's a good sign regardless that. It is possible to have a secure job as a game developer if you work at Nintendo.
1: <laughs> I I think that every, every statistic they had other than the average pay was marvelous. I think that the average pay is misleading and I'm just going to call it a wash and be like, you know what, even if you are getting paid less than what the average is and I believe by default right that is probably going to be more of the people working there yeah um the job security and the work life balance that less than 8 hours on average would give you makes it a very desirable uh environment to be in and I'm happy for that
0: well shall we move on to not cars, because the next slide, the next thing I have up is my fucking car, uh, looking at cars. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> <laughs> the Apex Legends season one has officially started, along with a battle pass. Which you get for nine hundred and fifty of those tokens, or you can. They, I think they followed suit on Fortnite, does where you can pay like a premium of two thousand eight hundred coins, which is probably like thirty forty dollars, um, to get the battle pass and twenty five levels locked for the cosmetic. And on top of the battle pass opening, they also added a new um uh what do you call them legends, a new legend called Octane, yep. who is basically a speed. We uh talked last week about the jump pads appearing in the game. And it turns out And that's you correctly actually... said
1: that they the ultimate?
0: Actually is result. Yes sirree. um Because, I mean Pathfinder has something very similar where it's uh, just a just a rope put down it doesn't necessarily increase your dps or your efficiency but it helps with me yeah um, i he regenerates I completely
1: gone this wrong
0: yeah <laughs> he, he regenerates health outside of combat when he's not being shot which to me seems bloody bonkers um but it's probably all right if you're fighting all the time but if you're doing skirmishes he's going to be great and you can sacrifice a bit of your health with your standard ability to get a movement speed increase. I think about 30% for 8
1: seconds, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah, this this guy shows that they're actually willing to push into different things for, for their, their characters. Like, sacrificing health to get the ability is definitely something that i wouldn't have expected in these battle royales not something that they have previously done in these battle royales um the fact that he will self-regenerate without use uh, of the outside items is also something that is incredibly uh outside of what i would have expected but not as far because yeah you have characters that already have like drop off uh healing bots for the entire team so i i get it and i think it's as a character he just seems like junk rat to me for people who yeah. know overwatch
0: yeah he does eh? <laughs> just a loony person just crazy
1: but uh he's got a lot of personality and i'm glad they seem to have a good stick for uh, uh for this character and he's interesting and he makes me want to play him and i'm glad for that
0: Same here, I mean, I've still not spent a single penny on the game and I probably won't. Um, My budget for this year in terms of games is just buying Sekiro and that's been it on my radar unless Animal Crossing comes out soon, which, um, but yeah, just your stock standard season pass. I think you can earn, at a certain point in the battle pass, enough coins to buy the next one for the next season, so if you are really into the game you can essentially get the battle pass for free and purchase it one time time only Um, I mean the rewards don't blow me away I'll be honest like a lot of it is like frilly stuff for your banner which only comes up if you've been killed by someone Um, the skins don't blow me away either but they're not like epic quality or legendary quality whatever it is they're just like face painted ones Um, I think the main reward from the the gun skins which do look cool I'll give them that. They do look pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, I'm the biggest thing that I'm happy about. This is how much that none of these rewards seem seem like. I've got to buy this battle pass. It's just like a here's a reward for the uh, for the battle pass. Thank you for supporting us. Will more stuff will be developed because you're supporting us. So for me, this battle pass actually seems like something I would invest in because I want to give them money to continue building the game. For me, it seems like you put out a good uh, character. Here, I'm I'm gonna give you s- some money towards this. If I want to buy like individual skins and su- and such, the game se- is now seeming like the business model is okay for it. the. Unfortunately, I feel like the individual stuff is incredibly expensive, which is why I've held back as much as as I have. But uh, in general, I think the games transactions have been so non-invasive that i am willing to put money towards this now
0: it's definitely a, a very 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 much an additional extra thing um i mean they do there's a certain point when you level up where you only get a battle a loot chest every other level which to me seems a bit weird um but i don't feel like i need any of the cosmetics which if i was more into the game would be a bad thing, but for me it's a good thing, because um, I have no temptation to spend any money, which is amazing. That's probably not the design intention, but it's how it's worked out for me.
1: Yeah, um, I think that the biggest thing is that they do slow it down. And of course, like you're saying, that's supposed to entice people to be like, oh, I'm not getting rewarded as much. Maybe I'll go buy that thing that I wanted since it's since it's gonna be two levels before I get the next loot box. Um but like as I said, the rewards and the microtransactions have been so unintrusive, so unimpactful, that the ones that just look cool are things that I, I am thinking, hey, I I do wanna put my money towards because as a casual player who plays this game on and off when I have slow periods, I'm glad to I'm glad that uh I'm not gonna fall behind everybody other than being a complete noob and getting killed because of lack of skill. But I'm glad it's not because of a, a paywall.
0: Yeah, exactly. Paywall so, is always... So... It, I think it's just as consumers, whenever there's a paywall for something, it just grinds you the wrong way. All the time.
1: Definitely. Now we move on but, to Yeah,
0: because...
1: I mean, speaking of paywalls, because my goodness, getting back into this game without paying has been painful for me. Yeah. And I guess I haven't been speaking about playing Hearthstone, because I've literally been logging in, doing whatever the quest is, or quests that i have built up, trying to get them done with my limited carpool, and then logging out. Like, not playing beyond the rewards is a big sign that a game is struggling yeah but what we have today isn't about the rng or game mechanics that are uh, that are making me take pause it's really about their competitive scene because they have seem to have hit a kind of a black eye because of their lack of enforcement of their rules but now they've kind of gone retroactively and and said okay We're going to put punishment because we now now see what's happened.
0: Yeah, they regret not taking action uh, last year. But people uh, did very well. I think someone won the finals or something, one of the characters. They suspect uh, people of doing stuff like wind trading and stuff like that. And they just haven't been um, hard on it. They haven't been hard banning people. And it sounds like that's about to change.
1: Yes. So, the, the incident in question happened back in October of last year. And uh, what was discovered was that part of the Chinese uh, team had been win trading. And because of the win trading, it actually allowed one of their uh, members to qualify when they would not have uh, otherwise qualified.
0: Definitely now, an exploit of some description.
1: Yeah. Now the uh the person who benefited from the win trading isn't the one that people are concerned about. They're concerned about the guy who was uh, who forfeited the match and let and and gave the win away and then proceeded to like uh shine and succeed l- later on without any punishment. Because yeah. They did the act, right? Yes, they didn't directly benefit from it, but somebody on their team did. so maybe you can say that they directly benefited from it. Um, and there was evidence uh, it was back it was uh back actually uh in April, sorry, that the allegations had uh surfaced. So really, I'm just going to read uh, what was said on Reddit. We had um, Sam Brathwhite, who is the Senior Global Franchise Lead for Hearthstone Esports, who went on Reddit and uh, said the following. As we prepare for the 2019 HCT World Championship, I wanted to take the opportunity to address the community's feedback on one of our professional players, Lo Rogers Jingyuan. I apologize if I butchered that name. That sounds sounds pretty close. Uh, Who recently won the HCT Winter Championship. In In October 2018, during the Hearthstone Global Games, we discovered that the Team Chinese Taipei, which included Roger, Tom60229, Jaxi, and Rial, had violated the rules to gain a competitive advantage. In response, we administered the penalty outlined in the rules at the time and disqualified the Chinese Taipei, Taipei team from the competition. But previously in October, 2018, allegations of Roger and Riel participating in wind trading had surfaced. After an investigation, we discovered their involvement in the incident but did not issue any official warning in response to their rule violation due to an internal miscommunication. We now realize that our previous, sorry, we now realize that our previous rules around these scenarios and our enforcement of them did not meet the standards of our community. We take full responsibility for this. Moving forward, we will reeval, sorry, we will be reevaluating our rules for 2019 season and are committed not only to improving but also being more transparent about the way we administer warnings penalties and rulings and it goes forth to say how they're going to do do it but the big thing here is, there actually is that actually on reddit yes that they're actually communicating with their their base and saying and saying that that too they are going to actually put a bit of a penalty on roger and Real, um, while they can still compete at a certain level, right, because they now have two violations, they will not be um, invited to the first year of the Grand Master League, which is their top league. And they're saying that that's the highest competition, obviously, that's where it's the highest pot of uh, prizes is going to be. And at that level, they're going to be holding people to the highest level uh, level of play standards not only in uh, performance but in conduct is what the article goes on to say. So they don't outline what that new level of performance and conduct is but they're saying that yes we're going to take it more seriously going forward.
0: Which is always a good thing. I mean yep. Lizard as a company has been pushing for every game they release to be an e-sport, and if for that to be Professionally done, the company also needs to be professional and take these things seriously. And I think it speaks volumes to doing what we know of Blizzard and their communication for them to actually come out on Reddit and just say, we fucked up, which is always a nice feeling. You feel pretty vindicated, uh, especially people who don't like Blizzard. but if you are a fan of the game, it's nice to see that they are going to be making changes, which is yes. always nice, especially if you're really into the sports. And you know, competitive sports need to be fair, and it's clear that what they did left someone in. So I think it's good. Speaking openly about this because you never, I never expect any like posts from Blizzard ever on Reddit. Um,
1: just unheard of. Um so please. Sounds good. Yeah, def- I definitely like the candid and earnest uh nature of the post. Um I understand that it's not totally together on the details, but when those details come forward, as long as it is like he said, transparent about their rules, their enforcement of the rules. And consistent with that, I think it'll do a lot to improve um, things in the future. That said, because they've let it slide for what looks to be almost a year, if the cheating happened April of last year, and I'm sure that Reddit wasn't quiet the entire year. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they weren't either.
1: Yeah, this this is a year of lapse and that's a really big black mark that they now need to work to expunge. Yes.
0: Very much so. Um I mean, I think I think it's a good step in the right direction, regardless. I think my biggest criticism of Blizzard historically has been just their complete lack of communication and something like this, especially on Reddit, where Tends to be a. Red- Reddit's tend to be you know a place for one idea of a topic and not much else. It can be a bit of an echo chamber sometimes, especially about like contents of opinions like game, and That shit. it can be very 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 echo chambery. Um. So I understand why companies tend to avoid Reddit, but this seems like a really good, part. At least in my opinion, someone who knows nothing about esports but knows a bit about people's perceptions. Um, it seems like a good thing. Uh, especially after the year uh, Blizzard has had <laughs> um, with, you know, since last year, the fucking layoffs of other shit. Um, it's nice. It's nice It's nice to see them forward in a positive way.
1: Most definitely. Blizzard's <laughs> PR team has work a lot of work for them, because there is a, such a trend of bad pr- uh, press for uh, Blizzard as a whole, the best way they can do is what they've done here, which is engage and try and keep the conversation going. Because if they let the conversation as it go without their input, like you said, the echo chamber effect of Reddit will magnify any resentment that is there.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, the upvotes are, like, 86%, which is pretty damn good. Um, that's like a pretty, pretty pretty, non-controversial statement if you're in, like, the upper 80, 80% agree with the thing. When you see posts that are, like, 47% upvote and you go, oh my god, what's happening?
1: Yeah. Well, that's when you refuse to, like, give an actual answer. And there have been companies that have done that, too, and then people just... Claim it's all BS, and it just becomes yet another black mark. So again, because the earnesty, because that they're saying that yes, we messed up and we will do better. That's good. What what needs to happen is continuing to ride that wave, get that goodwill going, and push it forward. And hopefully, we see good things coming from Hearthstone esports in general and. Just Blizzard and, in general. Uh, yeah, and I guess just Blizzard in general.
0: Especially I think it's such a good move to doing the controversy. Very smart. Speaking of controversy, uh the Epic Game store back in the headlights after um that game they, they had exclusive? Metro Exodus.
1: Yes. Yes. That was something that gamers were upset about. And in general the uh exclusives that we're seeing on the epic game store
0: yeah but the ceo tim sweeney came out and said a few things about the exclusivity as well as uh some very good things about human curation of games they are uh they have applications for on the store so they can avoid like a rape day incident was shockingly bad
1: yeah, it it seems very timely that he got to come out and say, "No, we're the good guys" after uh Steam had done that because it's smart. Yeah, there were there were definitely two points here that really rang true and if you have listened to our previous uh episodes, you'll know that this sort of echoes the sentiment that we've had here. One of course was the human curation to make sure that Games like Rape Day, um, games that are really just there for shock value, don't hit the store. Yeah, exactly. And they and they rec- and they said that like yeah, this means that we're not going for just quantity of games. Yeah, we'd love to have a lot of games, but we want to make sure that they're good games coming to our store. They are... and That's a sorry. Go on. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> That's a shot. <laughs> we'll both be nice. I'll finish this, though. That's, I think that was one of the two direct shots across Valve's uh, bow, saying, like, yeah, we're going to be better than you in this manner.
0: Orally, better. Yeah. I mean. The
1: other part of it. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, Before I jump into the second part, go ahead. I
0: was just going to say, like, it's very, very smart of them to say stuff like this at this time um i think i think we talked about um epic games store as being the first real competitor against steam and i think they're really pushing it and i hope it is because it'll just make steam better they'll be forced to adapt and change stuff now that they don't have a monopoly on everything which is healthy i think
1: but what was your second I'm... point well I would agree that, yes, it's healthy to have uh, competition as long as they don't become the dominant force themselves. Because, I again, like we were saying um, before, we're not quite sure about these practices if Epic were to gain a a, a stranglehold on the market. But the other part that they uh, decide to mention is that, yeah, our percentage is less. And we want to break this stranglehold of 30% to the storefront that valve is doing because that's a direct shot to valve's business model yeah and the exclusives that we're doing that people are uh, upset about are part of our strategy in in that and it's true and he went on to say that yeah you can look at games that come out um free games like subnautica which is honestly the first time i picked up the uh Epic Games' the oh, store it was. I'm oh,
0: so scared of that game. <laughs> it's not for me. Deep water exploration? But no, no, no.
1: Free game. Free like game. even just to be like, hey, let me try this, and you know that's a solid game. And they're like, yeah, we we spent the money, gave the money to the developer, said, listen, we're uh, we're going to give your game away free for a week or two weeks. It's a limited time to entice people. To uh get it from our store, and it worked. Person in in uh, Discord that I I'm in said, "Hey guys, free game, go get, uh, go follow this link," and that's how I got to the Epic Game Store. They said that's so much more effective and cheaper than doing a Google uh, um, ad blitz or any kind of traditional yeah. ad blitz. right? Yeah. and it puts your game in in front of people, and that's so true. Um. So, I get the sp- I get the spin that they're putting on it, and some of it is really spin. Some some of the stuff that they're talking about is like, yes, this is the good side of it. But again, go back to our last episode if you want to hear about like potential pitfalls of uh, of these strategies, or if these strategies become successful. But this is generally a good look at. What they're trying to, how they're trying to pitch, like their strategy into the market and getting a good share versus other more established storefronts like Steam, um, when other storefronts like Origin haven't had that kind of success.
0: No, I mean they're really riding on the success of Fortnite, I think, and it allows them to do the really, really good deals for consumers like us for free. Um, I mean. Steam, uh Valve hasn't really had a major game in quite a while. So they are just relying on an automated game platform for their money. Um which does boggle my mind why is it's not why it's not human cre- created curated. Seems like such a misstep, but I suppose they'll take the occasional bad game being uploaded for having a very easy way of making money.
1: Yeah, for me I think it is a matter of cost. If you need to have people sitting there and uh, enough people sitting there that they can actually get through um the amount of games that are being submitted, right? Uh they thought like, you know what? Let's just remove that step and not uh, and not uh pay uh, pay a staff and it'll be automated cuz you uh, cuz that it's not an issue and they've decided that they're willing to take the risk. But At what cost? Yeah. The hidden cost involved.
0: Yeah. I mean, it all seems well and good. I like I just like the idea of there not being a monopoly. I think that's very exciting for gamers. I know it sucks that you can't have the game you want on Steam on Steam, but it's just another button app. I know it's frustrating and I know it's not convenient it's not what you're used to, but you can try and see the good side of it where finally have some competition against Steam, it should make Steam a better place. Because they'll have to adapt.
1: Most definitely. And if the lower uh, storefront price point means that some of those savings are passed on to the gamer, like uh, the consumer, like they said in this, uh, my hot take is that no, they just pocket more money themselves. (laughs) But... (laughs) if those savings are passed on, it it's good for the c- consumer.
0: Yeah. Speaking of me, what the fuck is Stadia?
1: What does this... Sh- <sighs> Stadia is the latest attempt at cloud-based gaming. This isn't the first time that it's being pitched. It's not the first time that even... It's something that does this has come to market. But this is being done by Google. And Google has a tremendous amount of resources in which to put behind their offering. The other part of it is that because of those resources, Stadia is looking to actually have the potential to make a huge impact on the industry. And everybody was talking about it after uh, GD, the GDC. The big thing is that Stadia, all the gaming processing and all of that, is being done on servers remotely, and then being streamed to your uh, your computer. Which means you could play it on a smartphone, you can a play tablet. it on your computer, a tablet, you could play it on a TV with a uh, A suitable Chromecast that they uh, that they're going to be putting out, and a controller. The big thing about this is that one, they've proven that the technology works on like AAA games. They had um, a test with Assassin's Creed. uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yep.
0: That's a very pretty game. Very pretty. (laughs) Which they also
1: call the uh, the worst kept secret in the industry. Because that was uh, something that was going around and everybody knew about uh, last year. Wow. Um, And then beyond that, the hooks that they have is something like you see a game on YouTube and you go, Manny, Manny, this game's coming out. Do you know anything about it? Right? And I go, no. And you send me a link and I watch the YouTube video. And below that YouTube video is a play now button. And I press that because I'm doing the st- uh, the Stadia service, I get to play it right then and there. Immediately.
0: That seems so surreal to me. That you can stream games and play them with it being hosted somewhere else, no more boxes, no more consoles. Yep. I mean, this is... this is huge.
1: Yeah, this is sort of the, the future that could come. Um, another thing that they were saying is that, like, yeah, because it's it's, uh, Google, they're saying, yeah, we'll sell our own controller just so that there is a controller people can use, Yeah. but you can use an Xbox controller if you have one of those that's hooked up to your PC. You could use your, uh, smartphone as the controller and still have it streamed to your, your, uh, computer. Right? They're saying that there's no stand, uh, There's no standard that you need to buy. Everybody uh, can use this. They were saying that they found the lowest com- uh, computer that they could pick up uh, readily, and they were streaming off of that. They had on the presentation somebody pause that, switch it over to their tablet, and pick up exactly where they left off with no time in between. That's then okay. jump to their phone.
0: It's so... Right? It's so new age. It's so like next era sort of technology. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it seems like it is seamless from what the presentation was. And the biggest thing about it is that the conversations happening are not about, can this happen? Like it has been in the past, like how viable is this going to be sort of thing? Because for the most part, the industry feels that Technology is there, right that this is a plausible reality that we could be seeing uh, in the next year or two
0: I think so I mean technology but, moves so quick now it's and so rapid
1: they they literally had it working on stage with a with an actual game right
0: It, it reminds me of when people first talked about VR except like it sounds very, very convenient as opposed to VR, <laughs> which isn't convenient yeah. at all.
1: Yes, this is this is definitely the... No, no, it's not only... This is not like... Honestly, when I'm talking about Stadia, I don't want to talk about it as like, this is something that Google is exploring that will come down the line. This is something that Google has already already put together and is trying to now put forward uh, how they're going to do it. Not if they can do it, but how they're going to do it. And that's the big question that's surrounding uh, Stadia is how are they going to do it? What's their... What is their uh, financial model for this? Right? What is the minimum requirements needed to be able to do this? Right? If you're on... Uh, vibe... Right or or Google uh, Live Wire that's like the uh, the super fast connection. Yeah, of course you're going to be on this. If you're in a more rural area, maybe you're on satellite connection or something. Is this something that can actually be done for you? I don't think so. That's yeah, exactly. So what is what is the like minimum requirements for this that will show what kind of penetration they might have in the market initially? Because again, they don't have to sell a single thing to anybody. Anybody who's got a computer um, right now is a potential customer. I know that it's most likely that if they release this tomorrow, and I could, and I feel the subscription's worth it, I could be playing on my computer right now, and my computer is not the newest piece of uh, hardware.
0: Neither's mine. I mean, it runs most games on high and very high, so I think it would. But my main concern would be: I'm in New Zealand. I'm on a fiber connection. Is that enough when I have definite lag, like MS from servers? I mean, it's not coming to New Zealand. It's being tested in North America and Europe, I
1: believe. Yep, it's being tested in uh, yep parts of Europe, Canada, the U.S., um, and I believe another place. But unfortunately, I don't have the article up. Well, in front
0: I think mean, to me. This is the target audience for this is people with a lot of extra cash on them who are willing to try something new and have the infrastructure to make it work. So I don't think this is for everyone not until internet just as a whole gets better. I think it's just you know the people who <laughs> like being on the new trends and are really into it and have the capacity to do it with their machines digital access. Um, But I think for the average Joe, probably not. They're probably going to stick with consoles.
1: I, I understand that. But I think that the average Joe could actually benefit from this. If they were to say, yes, we're going to put this out in New Zealand, right? You're worried about your connection to US servers, but that's not what this is going to be. This is going to be the Google servers. And Google has hundreds of servers around the world, including ones that are oceanic. Right, that aren't going to be you trying to connect to North America. It's going to be you trying to connect to maybe Australia server. Probably and Australia. That's f- yeah. Yeah. That'd be doable. Right? and that's going to be far less of a ping for you on your your system, and it's infrastructure that already exists. This is not infrastructure that they're having to build. Oh. No. Um, the the big question is the subscription. Uh, sorry, I apologize. Is the financial model everybody under the sun their first inclination is a subscription model but there is concern that a subscription model benefits certain games more than it benefits others if it if if it becomes the quote-unquote netflix of video games right that would be a boon to games like let's say world of warcraft where you're constantly playing it throughout the seasons and even if you step away you're you're going to come back eventually but it's far less enticing to games like let's say mario where it's a yeah single session sort of game that you do and you complete and you're and you're done with right
0: yeah i see what you're saying um model definitely benefits games that are as quote-unquote games as a service as opposed to games as a product. Um, games as a service will definitely go hand-in-hand hand with this sort of subscription model, if that's what they go for, which is probably what I would expect given that it's yeah, supposed to be a constant thing.
1: And then the other part is that if it's a service, how much do you pay monthly for service and if i want to put a game on there how long does it take a developer or a publisher to recoup their cost of developing a game when you put forward a 60 dollar game 60 dollars us people will buy it as a one-time purchase if you were to put a 60 dollar price point on a service people would gawk at that quite quickly yeah they would and that's for everybody and that's split between everybody who would be putting out a game that month so there's a lot of question about it it seems like how much money how much revenue could somebody possibly get from a new game if this is the netflix thing does that mean that it would need to be a premium thing where some of these games are like because you have the service here's a list of games you get on the constant plus you can also purchase these games and then stream them from our uh, from it if people are buying licenses for games so it's more akin to the steam store or the epic game store but you never download the game it's just played instantly from uh, from the google uh its uh service it's so exciting
0: that this is happening like the the rate at which we're evolving technology at, right now is just ridiculous and i love it
1: yep this is definitely a industry disturber oh, and yeah. I and I really hope that companies do try and find a way to make this a viable uh, platform because when your installer base is not everybody who's bought a system but everybody who has a viable smartphone computer or tablet, that's the next step to just... Making games so commonplace that it's like a book. People oh my gosh. Literally yeah. everywhere.
0: I mean, they're so smart to look at tablets and phones as the future because I think phones are leaving computers behind in the dust right now. Because you know, everyone, ev- everyone needs a phone. Basically, you do now. You just, you just need. Not necessarily everyone needs a computer. This is true. Of phones. All the common shit. Like, if I didn't, if I had no interest in video games, and I just wanted to say, do university work, I would be able to use something like a tablet. But you know, everyone has a phone. Everyone needs a phone yep. now, and this just need it. It's placed emails as ways to communicate now. Um, it's just so convenient, and. Say you are on the bus and you've got 20 minutes to spare, you can just open up your stadia and go bish bash bosh. I'm playing some Minesweeper or whatever game ends up coming out.
1: Final Fantasy VII Remake?
0: Oh my god. See, this this kind, yeah. of, this kind of shit makes me want to get a better phone. <laughs> my phone's crap.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely could invest in a better phone but I think Even just having this as a service that I play on my computer is exciting enough, let alone all the viability that it has built in. This seems like a very uh, intelligent way to enter the market, Um, and we will see where this goes, because this is definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on.
0: Oh yeah, same here. Speaking of keeping an eye on things,
1: have you been playing this week? So, like I said at the beginning of the uh, show, I have been diving into Apex because I've decided that, you know what, there's got to be some noobs out there that are willing to take me along with it, with them. And the answer is, I got shot a lot. (laughs) I think Apex has left that sort of like honeymoon where everybody is playing it, or maybe I'm just playing at the wrong times where, where the sharks are swimming and I'm chum. I am so much chump, man. Well, I think people got so into
0: the game they're just pros at it now. You have people who are just playing it every single waking minute they have, really.
1: Oh, I, I, I don't. Is there some sort of MMR <laughs> decision? Maybe when I clock in enough games, they'll be like, "No, no, he's not. He's not trying to sandbag. He's genuinely that bad." And they'll throw me in with like people on my level.
0: Oh, we can just wait until they add use for solo and um, two-team play.
1: Definitely. I think that um, would
0: get me playing the game outside of with friends, because I only play it with friends. And um, game's free, and I've not spent a single dime on it. It's great. Perfect. I just play it occasionally, like, maybe once a week or something, for a night. Like, I'm not obsessed about Apex, but, um, it's like the only Battle Royale I've actually enjoyed.
1: I gave it uh three nights, played it two nights in a row, then came back uh, after uh a frustrating night playing another game, and then uh I've been enjoying it, but like, man, like I said, I just i I need to find I think the biggest thing for me right now is I need to stop dropping in hot. I cannot oh, deal yeah. with dropping in hot. I, yeah, I need to go find an isolated area. Have time to like put together my kit and then get uh, get into the fight because dropping in hot, I I do I get like you know a Mozambique or something and I shoot like towards the broadside of a barn, miss it, and then the guy just beats me down. Yeah.
0: Oh, there's been so many times where I've I've dropped into a hot spot, I get the gun and I lose the person just punching me because they're just so good at moving, <laughs> which which
1: is cool. I'm glad that that's a thing.
0: Um, You've still been playing your Mass Effect?
1: Oh, yes. I'm now on to the second part. Excellent. Uh, I'm not sure if I said that uh, last week, but yes. I am really enjoying... Well, I'm enjoying 80% of the game. I forgot that the planet search is basically now a scan thing. Oh, yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. I, I don't. I forgot about that. It's it's horrible. That being said, the characters and the plot is just. Even though I know what's happening, it's it's like rolling up with a comfy novel that you you've read before and just been like, "Yeah, get him, Shepard. Get him."
0: Oh yeah, and is that the one when you go to that moon base bar the first time, the asteroid bar? Yep. I love Omega. That one yeah that's great that's such a good part of that game
1: it, yes it's it is quite a solid solid game and I'm very happy and I understand why people think it is the best game in the series. I'm going to play through three again and try and reevaluate but like before this, I thought that three was a incredible game and even the like original quote-unquote garbage ending didn't spoil the fact that that game was such a love letter to the the rest of the franchise
0: yeah i mean it's what happens when you have a game where your choices affect the story and then at the end it's just pick a side (laughs) yeah
1: but like once i get to uh, get to three again i will start going about on and on about like Where the ending actually begins. And it's just an interactive ending. That being said. Two is really solid. I. Two is my favorite. And. Man. The DLC is so good. The Leviathan. uh, Mission I was doing the other night. Love it. Absolutely love it. The Shadow Broker stuff. I haven't gone to but. I remember that, and man, there's so many good points in that game that that like it's just memory, so many memories, and like you feel like these characters are like legitimate characters that you care about,
0: oh yeah, yeah, you do eh
1: who's the one with the Probably...
0: collectors, isn't it? Yes, I like them, they're cool, Rickquin control.
1: Right up to the Terminator boss at the end. I'm sort of like, what?
0: Oh, yeah, the Terminator boss was weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But still, I'm not there yet. I'm enjoying everything else and getting my team ready for the suicide mission, going through the mega relay and loving, loving it. But, Gotti, what have you been playing this week? Still not a lot. I've been so busy
0: with life and trying to sort my life out that... um. I've not had time for a lot of games. I've been playing a little bit of POE. Um, New League isn't amazing. Uh it has a lot of problems. They are looking at fixing it, uh, quite a few of them, like changing how the core gameplay mechanic works very significantly. Um so right now the way it works is every time you do a map, which is then gain content, you find a little portal to a memory. Once you stabilize that memory by pushing um some levers located in the memory, you are able to take that with you to the memory nexus, where you plot out a big path. Memories. The memory nexus also has like inbuilt memories there that give you specific rewards, and some of them will enhance every single connected piece you have on the board, which is amazing. But makes the whole thing very grindy because you need about five of them to make the maps worth running. What they're doing now is instead of applying it to the nodes you have connected, you can pick and choose where you want it to affect that area, and they're buffing the uh, efficiency and power of these mods So I'm looking forward to that, I think I'll play more once they fix the league a bit, um, because right now I bought Sekiro today, I played uh, like 20 minutes of it, I played the tutorial, uh, got my arm chopped off, that's not a spoiler, because it's the main fucking advertisement of the game, You've seen that fucking army users. Um, lost my, my my child emperor thing. Whoever it is I'm supposed to look after. And uh, yeah, I'm about to dive into that probably the rest of the day. Done. And I will give you a full report next week on Sekiro Shadows Day 20.
1: Great. I'm looking forward to hearing all about it next week.
0: Yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone. This has been episode five. We've been doing this for a month now. That's great. Indeed. We are on. TGI. And it's back up
1: on iTunes.
0: Yes, we're back on iTunes. We're back on TGI. The TGI episode should link to the iTunes um, hyperlink, so you can access it there as well. And yeah, on TGI Studios, we have a drop-down menu now, um, so you can see specific episodes and all that kind of shit. Um, it's very exciting. Very cool. And uh, thanks for listening.
1: Definitely. And if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me on Twitter. That's uh, True Vin Manny without the e. Sorry, True without the e. And you can also join us in our Discord. That is in the TGI Discord, and that can be found as uh, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Gotti, where can people find you on the internet?
0: They can find me at Gottylicious on Twitter (laughs) Um, or my full name Richard Hardcastle Um, I used to do YouTube and Twitch not anymore. Uh, It's a thing I'm thinking about trying again when I'm done studying though Um, Yeah, just find me on Twitter I just post memes, tweet stuff I find funny and um, find our official podcast uh, Twitter at Gent as well. Gent? Gent? Is it hard G or soft G? Gent. Gent. Like Gent. the gentleman. Gentleman. <laughs> Gent podcast. Gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.